every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd, he's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. All right, so my guest today is Cindy Gru. Cindy owns a very successful medical billing company called Healthcare Practice Management located here in Wilmington, Delaware. It was founded in 1992, and Cindy didn't set out to start her own business, but she's absolutely thrilled that she did. Today, Cindy employs over 28 people and has 50 client practices throughout the Mid-Atlantic region as well as Florida. So for our conversation today, I'm going to be drinking one of my favorite beers, Hetty Topper. Hetty Topper is annually ranked as one of the top five beers throughout the country and is brewed by The Alchemist in Stowe, Vermont. Cindy prefers wine to beer, and she'll be enjoying a layer cake Sauvignon Blanc from the Marlboro region of New Zealand. And with that, I'd like to welcome Cindy. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, Cindy, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't we just start out? Tell us a little bit about your business. Okay. Um, we just celebrated our 28th year on April Fool's Day. Uh, we are a revenue cycle management company, and we do medical billing, um, consulting, credentialing for uh, physician private practices, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Florida. In addition to the consulting, I also do legal work with attorneys to help physician practices who find themselves in trouble. Okay. So they may get a letter or an audit notice from an insurance company based on a chart audit that says you're billing this incorrectly and you owe me hundreds of thousands of dollars and I'm putting you on the fraud list and I get hired to come in and help mitigate those damages and come back to the insurance company and prove that it was an intentional fraud, that it was a billing error and fight the fight and usually get a reduction in those expenses. Oh, wow. So, so like sort of like an expert witness and uh, so does that mean you end up in court? I have never ended up in court. Um, there's a potential that that could happen. <clears throat> I was asked once to be a character witness, but I, it was the weirdest thing ever because truly it was one instance where I wanted to take that practice down because <laughs> wow. it was the very first time I'd ever seen fraud. Really? You know, you learn about it, you take these courses and you have case studies and all of a sudden I'm sitting there doing this audit going, this is it. This is happening. This, they're yeah. doing hey, I saw this in the book. Yeah, I yeah. read this. <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so but how- Under attorney client privilege, I wasn't in that position to do that. So, you know, I did my job and walked away. Sure. And six months later was asked if I would be a character witness. I said, put me on the stand and I'm going to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So have at it. And they're I like, love it. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that's great. I was so, like, you won't be happy with my answer. Right. <laughs> um, so how did you actually get started in this business and start your own business? Well, it was, it came as a surprise to me that I did not wake up one day saying I was going to do this. Um, my, in my first career, I started out as a hairdresser. Um, just, I did that for probably five years. I did love what I did, but I was yeah. not willing to work nights and weekends for the rest of my life. Sure. So I went back to school. 
And, or I went to school. I have a twin sister and we were the oldest and college wasn't an option. Right. So I decided I was going to do it on my own. And I fell into the medical world. I was actually going to school for data processing. And my mother worked for an ophthalmology practice. And I was there filing charts one day. And the doctor's office downstairs called and said, I bought a computer. And I'm throwing it out the window. And mom said, well, that's what Cindy goes to school for. I'll send her down. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So I walked in and said, look, I know nothing about medical. And she's like, even. I know nothing about computers. You teach me, I'll teach you. Wow. And uh, so that's how I landed my first job. Three months later, she landed me another job doing the same thing. And when I got there, I had to tell them that, unfortunately, the computer they just spent $40,000 on in the early 80s was not going to work and that I had to go find us one that did. So I I went through all of that. We got our money back and um, I was there about a year and a half and then landed my all time forever job with the mentor of my life. I mean, he was a surgeon, a one-star general in the Air National Guard here in Delaware, Um, lived in Cherry Hill, worked in Cherry Hill, and convinced me to, well, I did consulting for him at first, and then he convinced me to come to work for him and drive 50 minutes every day one way. And I was like, not doing that, not driving to Cherry Hill. Right. But I did, and I did it for six and a half years until I had my first baby, and then everything changed. So the family was the uh, the impetus for the, all the change? Absolutely. And yeah. I, I literally worked there almost a year after Brandon was born. Mm-hmm. And he's turning 30 on Monday. So happy there you birthday, have. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Brandon. And actually, my husband was the one who really pushed me to do this. Um, my boss tried to become partners when I quit. He, he offered me three proposals. And the last one was in 10 years, I'd be 49% owner. And in my heart and soul, I was like, what does that mean? It means nothing. You have the final say. I love you. You've been my mentor. You believed in me when I was 25 and allowed me to run your multimillion dollar companies. And I just need to go. You know, I'll go to Delaware and get a job. That was that was my mission. Yeah. And he called me up one night and said, here's the bottom line. Uh, You're not leaving me. You're going to drive up here in the middle of the night and take the computer and put it in your car. And he was in a high rise building. I mean, talk about feeling like a thief. Sure. <laughs> like, okay, under the cover of darkness. Trucks and yeah. friends and off we went. <laughs> so I loaded up the computer and he said, take everything else you need. The coffee maker, the phones, the fax machine, the staff, everything and go. And I will be your first client. I was like, okay, wow. what does, I don't even know what that means. And my husband was my biggest supporter. He's like, you've done this for him. You can do this for others. So came back to Delaware, worked in a basement for two weeks at a friend's house until I got an office or a certificate of occupancy. I brought two staff members with me and that was 28 years ago. Wow. With one client. And then he retired in a year and a half. And um, he has since passed, which breaks my heart. Sure. Um, and so I had to go land my first Delaware client who's still with me today. And my business has just grown based on referral. That's that's outstanding. So actually talk a little bit about the relationship you had and how important it was to have a mentor. I was so, so fortunate. You know, I mean, so many people, it's a dream I would have for everybody to have that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, he was such an awesome person. Um, not always a good business decision maker, sure. but Truly, on the day he hired me, um, I drove my 50 minutes and I sat behind my desk and he came in and he said, I have three words for you. And if you can live with these words, we'll get along just fine. And if you can't, I need to know now. And I thought, 
excuse me? Here we go. <laughs> I just quit my job and drove 50 minutes to get here. And we're now having this conversation. And I was like, hit me. He said, make a decision. If you can't make one, I don't need you here. Wow. I was like, okay. So my first year I fired his brother and I fired the accountant. And fired his brother. Fired his brother. Yeah. Wow. You know, I was like, you told me to make a decision. I had to make one. And I was like, it's not working with him here. Why are you paying this guy? Yeah. So I still had a job after six and a half years. Wow. And truly, I mean, I would have stayed with him forever if I didn't have my first baby. And um, it changed my world. You yeah. know, truly, I was like, I'm a mom first now. So right. I need to go. So that's interesting. So it seems like you sort of uh, got to the ledge and he kind of pushed you off. Is that an accurate way Pretty to push much. it? I didn't. I absolutely. Yeah. It was it, like, you're not leaving me. And I mean, I didn't even have a clue how to start a business. I mean, sure. I had to call somebody and say, like, I need a tax ID. I need an accountant. I need an attorney. I had no clue. Yeah. I had no plan, no business plan, no nothing. Wow. Nothing. I just left New Jersey and came back to Delaware and started in a new office and just brought him with me. So it was like business as usual, except he supported me for three months until I could stand on my own two feet financially. Yeah. And I finally got to the point where he owed me more than I was costing him. Wow. That's fantastic. I mean, two years later, I had never even had a banking relationship because I never borrowed money. Yeah. So and like you said, you didn't really set out to start a business. You just that would be ended correct. up owning a company. That would be correct. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And, and now you also talked about the importance of a family support system and having a, a really supportive husband. So that, <laughs> that's super fortunate as well. Yes. I will tell you, I mean, I work long hours. I remember being pregnant with my daughter, who yeah. is now 26. <clears throat> and my husband, when I was working in the basement, like after I left the office and came home to continue to work, shutting the lights on and off going, it's 1030. It's time to go to bed. It's 1030. I mean, you know, it's a lot of long hours, a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. I have my employees are my greatest asset. I mean, we're like a family. That's great. And we work hard and we play hard, but yeah. it takes that to make that happen. Yeah. And my husband has supported me. Not only is he a fabulous cook, so just about every single night I have dinner on the table when I get home, <laughs> usually around 7.30, 8 o'clock, yeah. and a glass of wine. That's all good. Yeah, you can't beat that. And, and I mean, and then being in your own business, you also have the flexibility. You know, our kids were in sports. You know, we could be at their lacrosse games and soccer games. And that was the most important thing to me. Yeah. You know, I tell everybody, my business comes second. Yep. My family is first. My business is second. It's a close second, but it's second. Well, you bring you bring up an interesting point. We can kind of dive into this a little bit. So it, when you start talking about owning a company and running a family, that's two major endeavors going on at one time. How do you struggle or how do you maintain a successful uh, work-life balance? Some days are more difficult than others. I always tell people, sometimes it pays to be the boss and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You have good days and bad days. I will never forget my children were a mile away from me in school one day. And I was the carpool mom to pick my kids up and totally forgot them. <laughs> you know, at three o'clock, my girlfriend calls who lives up the street and they call her aunt, Denise. And I answered the phone at three o'clock. She's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, like a lightning bolt struck me. I was like, Oh my God, I'm supposed to be at school. I can't even talk. She goes, I know I've got your little kids who are standing on the street corner <laughs> me, and I will take them home. You just have to give them permission to take them. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. So setting timers, 
putting everything on the calendar. I, I live by these words. If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't happen. Sure. Yeah. Whether that's having a cocktail with a friend, whether that's a meeting, whether it's something I have to get accomplished, if it's on my calendar, it will get done. Yep. No matter what. And I, I also live by the rule. If I say I'm going to do it, I will do it. Yeah. And I struggle when people don't live by that rule. It's like, don't tell me you're going to do something and not do that. That does not work for me. The, uh, the uh, over-promise and under-deliver type of Correct. situation. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that, that's that's a definitely an interesting, uh, especially if you're a always do what you say you're going to do type of person. That's definitely a struggle. And I try not to overcommit. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it if I really can't do it. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, that you bring up an interesting point there. So I think one of the, one of the things that a lot of business owners struggle with is saying no to things. Do you find do you, do you still find that difficult to do? I will say I'm much better at it now than I used to be. You know, yeah. when you start out with the business and, you know, after Dr. Scourum retired, I looked at my two employees and said, now what do we do? You know, I have two staff members. I have an office that I'm paying for. And I'm winding down accounts receivable. Yeah. Other than that, I have no income. Sure. So our, our choices are we wind down the accounts receivable and you go get a job and I go get a job and we're done. Or I have to go figure out how to run a business and get a client. And they're yeah. like, well, we're not going to work for anybody else. So go find us a client. Wow. So I started networking. You know, I have not been in Delaware in six and a half years. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to meetings and meet people. And I actually went to my largest competitor at the time who had been in business 26 years, set up a meeting with them and just went and introduced myself and just said, I'm the new kid on the block. You know, there's enough business for everybody, but you've been around for 26 years. And I said, if I should ever have the opportunity to land a really big client and I can't support that, I want to know who I'm referring them to. Wow. And I would hope that you would do the same. You know, yeah. if you land a really tiny client, you're like, yeah, I'm not really interested that you would refer to me. And yeah. they did. Wow. I, they sent me a client. And again, like, you know, I became very actively involved in the Medical Society of Delaware another organization, the HBMA, which is a healthcare uh, business and management association, sat on the board of directors for six years. I've chaired a publications committee for 14 years just to be actively involved. And yeah. that truly has sustained how my business has grown. Well, that's really a bold strategy to go seek out your competitor <laughs> and talk to them and say, I'll take your small clients. That's, that's uh, outstanding. Well, thank you. Yeah. So what do you think um, is the most difficult part about running a business or the part that you like the least? The part that I like the least, I will say, you know, so we've been in business 28 years and we have good years and bad years. You mm -hmm. know, my accountant who's been with me the whole time, he's like, I remember when we were trying to rob Peter or pay Paul, you know, yep. to make sure we're covering payroll. I think that the hardest part for me is knowing that... I hold the financial livelihood of my clients as well as my staff and our family yep. on my shoulders to make that happen. You that's know, a lot of we're pressure. Not the money. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part for me personally, because truly, even though I'm in the revenue cycle management business, the bottom line is I'm in a relationship business. I mean, if you ask me today, what do you do? I could easily just say I'm in a relationship business. Right. It doesn't matter what I do. Yes, we do revenue cycle management. We try to collect money for doctors, yada, yada, yada. But bottom line is it's a relationship business. Yeah. And I take that very personally. 
feel very personally responsible for my staff as well. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate it. And hence why you have such a good relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my staff has been with me a long time. Yeah. Um, So what, as a business owner, what still excites you or what are you most proud of? Well, I'm most proud of the fact that the longevity of my clients. I mean, I have clients who have been with me forever. And, you know, I had a 25th um, celebration and I had clients I had not seen in years. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it works. You know, if we need each other, we reach out. Right. Um, unlike my newer clients, obviously, it's a lot of handholding and building that relationship. But we finally get to the point where it's a trusted advisor, you know, yes. and that's that's what we are. And, you know, as a company as you are, that's the most important thing. We become their trusted advisor as we should be. Yep. And they know that I will do anything in my power to help them make business decisions based on data that we have so that they can survive and we can survive. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. So have you had any interesting stories being a woman owned business, either positive or negative, you know, uh, obviously. No, I've not really had any negatives. I would say, I would think it would be more so in the positive. Yeah. And the majority of the clients that I deal with are male, but I don't really think that that has any bearings. Although I do deal with a lot of wives in the business. Yeah. That could be interesting. (laughs) I'm sure that always has an interesting dynamic to to your work life. Um, What do you, what would you say the lowest point of your career was? Can you pick one thing that you, you can look back and go, you know, that was a really, really tough time. I would say that the hardest time for me, you know, it's interesting in running a business. So HBMA has been a tremendous support for me. And I always say I'm here today because of HBMA. Yeah. um, Where they teach you how to run a business, you know, how to be a pro, know when you're losing money on the client and what have you. Um, So I think the hardest part for me is when I'm dealing with a client that's not a good team player. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I look at this and every new client who comes on board, every person I meet, I say, here's the bottom line. This will work and will work for a really long time as long as we're good team players. Yeah. You need to do what you need to do in order for me to help you on the back end. If you give me garbage, I can't help you. Right. And that is very frustrating for me. Yeah. So we've learned to really work within I have some clients that I give them the capability of doing charge posting because they're good clients and they have decent staff that I can train. And I have some, I'm like, oh, that would never happen. Yeah. Never. So therefore I have to charge more money because I still have to pay for that service. But I just, you're not in a position that you have the staff that are capable of doing the job that needs to be done for me. Right. Sure. For my standards. Yeah. Um, one of the things I find interesting, it sounds like you've built a phenomenal work culture, which is, a, I think, a very difficult thing to do. It is. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that goes into that and a lot at play in being able to do to build a very positive environment. What sort of advice would you have to someone in a company that's looking to sort of change the culture of their firm and make it a more positive place where people actually enjoy coming to work? Well, it's interesting. Um, I guess I've always had the mentality that I would never ask my staff to do anything I wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And when we first started the business, I mean, and there were 
for employees, including me, sitting out in the bullpen doing the work. Yep. I mean, I that's what I did. You know, yeah. I did the work. I did the billing. We post the charges. We post the payments, follow up on the AAR. You know, I got hands all over it. And then one day, Linda, who's still with me today, said to me, you need to go in your office and grow the business. You need to cut the apron strings and walk away. And I'm kind of like, what? That That is so not working for me. But I'm like, but I think she's right. So I had an office I never even sat in. Wow. And so I went in and closed the door and I just sat there for the longest time. I thought, now what do I do? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Truly, I have no clue. Yeah. And that's when I started and went out and met with my biggest competitor and started networking and what have you. So that was a big transition for me. So my staff knows like, hey, Cindy, she was not going to expect me to do this if she wouldn't do it. Right. So that's big. Yeah. I mean, the good example, I was coming out of the ladies room and I went to get the little key to replace the paper towels. And I was walking through and a, an employee had been there for a year. She looked at me, she goes, you do know you're the CEO of this company. Right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, why? She goes, why are you replacing the paper towels? I was yeah. like, because I used the last one. Sure. And I wouldn't ask you, I wouldn't walk out of the ladies room and say, go replace the paper towels. It, yep. That's just not how I am. Yeah. So they get that. Yep. And, you know, that's important. Now, not everybody gets it. I've had issues with staff that breaks my heart because I feel like they don't get it. But it is like a family and they, yeah. you know, they do respect that. Yeah, it's always when the owner is rolling their sleeves up and digging into the dirt with them. And I think that really does create a positive uh, environment with, with everyone Correct. else. Yeah. How are you getting clients now? How are, how are you networking? Well, there's a lot of ways. So again, I go back to the Medical Society of Delaware. I've worked with them throughout the years. I mean, basically they look to me, they'll get a call from a, a provider and they've got a question. They're like, yeah, we don't know the answer. Let's call Cindy. Mm -hmm. You know, so they'll reach out to me. I give them an answer. They're like, thank you so much. I'm like, you're welcome. I don't yeah. get paid to do that. Sure. Um, you know, we have big changes coming up in the coding world in 2021, once again. And so Medical Society has already reached out. I've probably have put in eight to 10 hours in my presentation and I will do that for free. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's an honorary thing to do. Um, it gets my name out there. People call me. I do consulting based on that. So that's another way that the business has grown. But it's also from an educational standpoint. And people come to me because they know they're like, all right, she's done her homework. You know, I'm already preparing for 2021. And having my clients join this as well, because it's more from a provider standpoint and a documentation change, which is going to rock their world. You yeah. know, we made it through ICD-10. I think we can make it through anything. Sure. Well, that's, that's interesting because I feel like a lot of business owners lose sight of the fact that if you become a for lack of a better term, a free resource for a lot of people, they feel like oftentimes that will cost them money and they should be charging for their brain power. And it seems like you find it actually working in the opposite way by giving away the brain power, you actually get more clients. I have gained, especially from a consulting standpoint, um, just from providing educational seminars, Yeah, you know, with what's going on in our industry, what's impacting their worlds. Because I used to be in that doctor's office. I know what it's like. You don't have the time or the energy, you know, once you get through a patient day to even have a clue what's changing in our world. Yeah. And our world changes drastically. Yeah. So, you know, from a revenue cycle management standpoint, we, I need to educate my staff. Now these coding changes, 
it's really on the practice because by the time it gets to me, they've already treated the patient and they've already documented the record and they've already given me a level of service that they're billing. Yeah. But they need to do it right. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about compliance. Um, You know, I have a compliance officer who's been with me for 26 years and we do it right. And I've terminated relationships with clients if I feel like we're walking down the wrong road. Yeah. And I, I mean, tell them that from the get go, you know, we do this right. We play by the rules. Everybody gets along just fine. And if you don't play by the rules, I have to let you go. Yeah. So that's interesting. Let's talk about that for a second. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of business owners continue to deal with clients that they don't particularly love to work with. And I'll say that as politically correct and diplomatically yeah. as possible. Have you consciously made an effort to say, hey, you're on the bus. This is how we do things. If you're not on the bus in the right seat, we're not really interested in working with you. Yes. Now, easier said than done 28 years later. Sure. You know, I would say in my first 10 years, every person who called me, who was referred to me, no matter what specialty, I was like, yep, we'll take you. We'll take you. We'll take you. My staff was like, why are we taking these people? (laughs) Like, because we need to. I got bills to pay, including you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you reach a curve in, in the growth of your business and then you kind of get start getting picky. You're like, eh, I don't really want that specialty. And, you know, and I said that with mental health and I ended up taking on mental health and I still have mental health and I love my mental health providers. That's not an area that I would look to continue to, to grow just because they're so small administratively. They take a lot of time. Yeah. You know, and you get to learn that. And yeah. because initially you don't have a clue. You know, you're just winging it. Your phone rings. I'll take you. I'll take you. I'll take you. Then you start looking at what your opportunities are. Yeah. You know, I've never, and it's going to sound really odd. I have never gone out and pursued business. Fortunately, it's always come to us. That's the best time. You know, but it's kind of scary. People are like, don't you have a plan? Kind of, no. I mean, yes. Do I have a plan? Do I sit down and look at this and analyze this? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not out knocking on doors specifically. And then I think, well, what would that look like if I really did that? Right. You know? Um, So hopefully my daughter has now come back into the business. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully that's a position that we can get to the point where we can start to look at as I look at an exit strategy down the road. Well, that's one of the questions I have for you is what's the end game for you? If you could ride off into the sunset at when you're ready to leave and what would happen to the business in an ideal world? Knowing there's a lot of factors. For me, my dream would be with no pressure on my daughter. I mean, right now we kind of fell into this world because of COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, our business has really drastically changed over the last year. We mm-hmm. have gone from four office suites all together, like 4,000 square feet, all employees on site, except a handful that live in South Carolina, who used to work for me in Delaware and then moved. I was like, well, you're not leaving me. So <laughs> you still have a job. <laughs> yeah, if you still have a job, just take the computer and go and yeah. we'll figure all that out. So they've been my remote workers. And then when COVID hit, I truly was very first time in my life convinced to take a month and work from home away from the office. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can do that. I go to work every day, you know, from eight to eight, probably on the average. Yeah. Monday through Friday, I take the weekends off. 
an escape and I don't work on the weekends unless it's absolutely mandatory. Sure. Because I, I need that break. I need that break with my family. I need to get away. Yep. Um, and I, and we take family vacations and I'm not one of those people who don't miss the, uh, the say I can't take a vacation. Right. I have staff. There's not in my world. There's nothing that can happen unless the building burned down that I need to be there every single day. Right. That somebody couldn't make a decision importantly mm-hmm. and knowing that I will back them. And yep. just as Ralph said to me, you know, make a decision right or wrong. I'll back you 150%. If you're wrong, I might smack you later. I was like, that's kind of my mantra. Make a decision. Because if you're not making a decision, you're not moving forward. You may be wrong and have to adjust, but at least you're still moving. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes down to, do I have to let a client go or a staff member go? I mean, that breaks my heart too. Sure. I truly, my personality, I'm more of a feeling person. So it helps me to have an office manager who can kind of take some of that offer me. Yep. You know, you have to have good people who can support where your weaknesses are. Yeah. So sort of like a good cop, bad cop type of thing. Correct. For in that. And if you don't in those, Yep. Yeah. In those types of situations. Yeah. So my ultimate goal end game would be that the business still exists and it still exists in the manner that it does, you know, that these are long time relationships that have been built and and can maintain because yep. all the systems are in place. Um, you know, when I bring in a new client for me personally, I am hands on deck for probably a good three to four months, putting all the systems in place. You know, everybody's yes. doing what they need to do until I can walk away and say, okay, now everybody's doing what they need to do. Sure. You know, I can still take a, you know, a different level look at it. Um, and that's the hardest part for me. Cause I mean, at one point I had five clients coming on at one time, which is ungodly. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know if I'm going to survive these three months. Sure. But we do, you know, you bring a team together and you have people who support you. So ultimately my daughter has joined the business again. She's been with me all through college. And the idea is that she would be in the position to take over the company. And wow. it was interesting because when she approached me, she was like, First of all, she said, I don't think I can do sit in an office and do medical billing all day. And I said, that's not what I do. You're right. I'm in, I'm in a relationship business. And I have learned in the month of March that I don't have to physically be in my office. Yep. And then COVID hit and we have positioned the company and are continuing as we speak, moving people out of the office to their homes with their workstations and by Thanksgiving, the goal is all employees are now remote work. Fully remote. Fully remote. It's I amazing. Have one, I'll have one office suite. I have two employees who will stay with me in the office just because they need to. Right. That works for them. Sure. And then we'll have open desks for revolving for employees to pop in, you know, once a week, do a schedule, do what they have to do paperwork wise that they can't do at home. Shared space type type of situation. Yeah. yeah. In my own office. Right. That's great. Yeah. The, the, that is, it, it's interesting to hear the stories of how COVID has positively impacted so many businesses in, in different ways. And you were a little bit ahead of the game where you moved to remote for a month before we knew about COVID, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise. Well, it was interesting. I mean, my mantra was we were going to Key Largo, three families, dogs, kids, 
and we were going to work remotely for three weeks and take a week's vacation. And we've traveled with these families over the years. So this, you know, is nothing new mm-hmm. and they all work from home. And I was like, well, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> it's very, a really big struggle for me. Yeah. But the goal was I was going to actually work on the business and not in the business. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm in the office, I'm in the business. Sure. Day to day. Yep. Between staff, phones, clients, whatever. And then when everybody leaves at 430 and I stay till eight o'clock, it's because now I can get stuff done that I need to get done. Right administrative stuff, whatever. So that was my goal. That certainly didn't happen because then COVID hit. And from a billing standpoint, our world was rocked. You know, now we're billing telehealth and I've got to educate all my providers on that. And what does that mean? And the insurance company changing the rules. And yeah, it was kind of crazy, but it worked out. I mean, because the, the best thing for COVID for our family was the fact that all of our kids unfortunately got laid off or furloughed. And they all came to Florida with us. So we extended our one month's vacation or work from home, one week vacation to six. And um, we had our children, my son who travels the world for eight weeks and my daughter and her boyfriend for uh, three months. And it was fabulous. I guess we all love each other. (laughs) That's most important. I think if you're going to get quarantined somewhere, Key Largo is probably not a bad option. That would be correct. Yeah. Um, one thing that you said I want to kind of go back to is it seems like you had a pretty drastic mindset for over the years. And I would say you went from worker to manager to business owner. How mm-hmm. has that, how have you felt about that transition and how has that gone? And can you reach, can you look back at certain points in your career and say, that's when this happened. This is when I became a business owner before Mm -hmm. I was, before I was a manager doing a job. I would say my greatest memory was Linda looking at me, my compliance officer saying, you need to go run a business. You need to get out of the bullpen and out of the posting business, as we call it, posting charges, posting payments, whatever. You need to get out of the posting business. And I was just looking at her like, uh, are you talking to me? Like, right. I, I don't even know why you would say <laughs> that to me. She's like, if we are ever going to grow this business and I'm not planning on working for anybody else, you need to go. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I think that was my biggest turning point, even though I had been in business for a year and a half at that point. Yeah. You know, and then we landed our next client and then I'd have to just go sit in my office and kind of look around the walls and go, well, what? I don't know where to go. Yep. Just start thinking and, you know, and reading and doing a lot of, you know, just get involved. You yep. know, I'm real big on networking. I, I am definitely a people person. When she put me back in the office by myself, it wasn't really working for me. So I'd pick up the phone. I'm like, all right, who can I talk to? We <laughs> call somebody. Yeah. <laughs> we call my competitor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go have lunch with them. Correct. Yeah. So it seems like this <laughs> it, it seems like twice in your life you've been pushed off a ledge. So it seems like Linda pushed you as well yeah, and said, get out push. of here, stop posting, get, get back yep. there. Get out of our bullpen. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. I love it. I've had some great office managers who bring, you know, the skills necessary. And, you know, there's not a moment in time where me and my office manager haven't been sitting there till midnight, one o'clock in the morning posting, doing a job or whatever, yeah. you know, so I have very strong support of my staff. You know, I could call everybody and go, Hey, we all have to work until midnight tonight. They'll be like, all right, we're in picking up pizza, picking up beer, whatever. We're there. Yeah. 
You know, that's really important to be able to say that. That's building a solid atmosphere and, and a solid mm-hmm. uh, team that, you know, you can count on them even when, it, when, when things pop up. Yep. Yep. That's great. So one final question before okay. we sign off, if you had to give advice to a young person, if you could go back in time to 1991, the year before you started the business and you start maybe, maybe 1992, the year, the first year of the business that you, that you start, what piece of advice would you have given yourself back then that you think would have helped you build the business maybe faster, better, or more efficiently? Oh, that's a hard one. You know, I always go back to make a decision, mm-hmm. make a decision. Yep. You know, I have a picture of Ralph on my desk and I look at him and I go, yep, just make one right or yeah. wrong, you know, because I find that when I have a situation where I feel like I'm out of my comfort zone, whatever that is, whether it's a problem I can't put my finger on, I can't, you know, at the moment grasp and get my arms around it, make a decision Yeah. and pull up a spreadsheet. I am all about, if it's all stuck up here and I can't like, it's all jumbled and I can't really get a focus. Yes. I pull up an Excel spreadsheet and I just start typing because I can make it a cell. I can make it a table. I can make it whatever I want, but I can at least get it out there. And once you start doing that, then it's like the wheels start clicking and everything comes together. So, you know, make a decision um, and pull up a spreadsheet. That's great advice to make a decision. I, I make think a decision. I, I think people sometimes get paralyzed by inaction. And I sometimes will say, sometimes it's better to head in the wrong direction than to not move at all. Cause at least you know the way direction you're going is the wrong way. That would be correct. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. Make a decision and put it on your calendar. I love it. You know, um, those are the words that I live by. Yeah. And I truly, I mean, people look at me, they go, I know if it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. I mean, my daughter one day said to me, mom, you're never going to die. And I was like, what? She goes, it's not on the calendar. (laughs) That's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are the words I live by and people who know me, know me well, that's it. And they'll go, oh yeah, we need to get it on the calendar. People say you have so much fun. I was like, it's because it's on the calendar. Yeah. You make an effort. You put it on the calendar and it will happen. If you don't put it on the calendar, years go by and you go, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. You know, high school friends, I haven't seen you in forever. I was like, because it's not on the calendar. Yep. And, you know, I have the same conversation with my college friends. If you put it on the calendar and something changes, then you just reschedule the meeting. Yes. That would be correct. Yeah, but it has to be on the calendar. calendar. I have no issue with moving it 25 times. Doesn't matter to me. It's still there. As long as it's on there. (laughs) I love it. That's great. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. It was fantastic. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So if you'd like a little bit more information about Cindy's business, please visit her website at hcpm.net. And Cindy, thanks again. And cheers to you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Happy Hip Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC. 